You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. This video that was put together, as you noticed, by local pastors in this area and Beginning tomorrow, uh, we enter into a season of, of 21 days that, and, uh, individually. And uh, then as we do that individually, naturally, corporately, we as the body of Christ are, are seeking uh, the name of the Lord. Uh, when you leave this, this morning, as you exit here and there, uh, everyone will receive a, a devotional that is written by local pastors for the next 21 days, walking through the book of Philippians. Uh, the idea is that we are uh, in individually seeking the Lord in a way in his word. Uh, but we also, and you'll notice in your order of service in your bulletin this morning, and, and I'll be addressing in just a few moments, this idea of fasting. Uh, that we're willing to do something that we normally would not do. Uh, we're willing to let go of something that in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. But the goal is we are setting aside something so that we can seek after him. You'll notice in the video that several of the pastors will never be the same, will never be the same, will never be the same. And that kind of has been ringing in my heart uh, over these last few weeks. Sometimes as a, as a pastor or basically just as a Christian, I've always loved the, the end of the year uh, and, and looking at a new year. And I think a lot of it has to do when you are a pastor or you're leading something, you think about you know, where you're going. So I, I want to draw your attention to God's Word. Turn to chapter 4 of, of Acts, Acts chapter 4. And I want us to think about this. You answer this question before we leave. Why are we so normal? Have you ever thought about that? Why are we so normal? Jessica saying just a few moments ago, may all my days bring glory to your name. May all our days, may we give glory to your name. But yet, we seem to all be just so normal. I like reading. Uh, I'm, I'm not a lock myself in a room for eight hours reader. I know that's shocking to some of y'all. But I can get a lot done in 10-minute spurts, okay? Don't we love the missionaries? We read about the missionaries that let go of everything to follow him. And they invested their lives in countries. And they did without so much in order to make a difference. I just finished a book about Charles Spurgeon, which without question is the greatest Baptist preacher there's ever been. 
I mean, historically speaking, and you read about Charles Spurgeon and his ministry, and it, it goes well beyond preaching to ten and 15,000 on a given setting. He preached to a, a church of thousands every Sunday and every Monday and every Tuesday and every Wednesday and every Thursday. He's somewhere preaching and teaching, and he's, he's starting orphanages, and he's starting Bible colleges, and he's totally turning the Europe upside down with the gospel, and we, we read these things, and we ask ourselves, why are we so normal? And I think the answer falls into this 21 days. Are we willing to live our life in such a way that we're just not so normal? Now, we're not all going to be Charles Spurgeon. I used to think I was going to be a combination of Charles Spurgeon, Charles Stanley, and Billy Graham. And so when I went off to college and seminary, I thought, well, why not? How long do you think it took me to realize I was neither of those three? About a month being a pastor. But I, I came to a realization, you know what? I'm not Charles Spurgeon, Billy Graham, Charles Stanley, or any of those other famous preachers that I know of, but I am John Beck. And I've been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and by golly, I don't have to be them and have the results they have, but at the end of the day, I want to be faithful and I want to finish well. I don't want to be normal. And I'm not. But I don't want to be normal. I want to be a person that lives our life in such a way that we use our God-given talents and our abilities and just kind of grasping with who we are but living in such a way that we're different and not normal so I want us to look at that this morning we've read about all these folks and all that they do but yet it's not about careers or jobs or ministry or churches it's just about being faithful to the calling that God has put upon our heart and so we have as a group of pastors even, we, we sat in a room and we prayed and we decided we're going to set 21 days apart that we are individually and corporately going to seek the face of the Lord and we're going to pray and we're going to fast and we are going to ask God to do something in our lives that the results can only let people know that God had to do it. You ever thought about that? Being normal is just doing things that normal people can do. Not being normal is doing things that somebody else has to get the credit for. It. You ever thought about church services? I'm preaching to our church, your church, anybody that's listening to church. How often do we say, boy, I'm telling you what, remember that day that God showed up? Cannot God show up every day? Does every Sunday morning have to be normal? Does every week have to be normal? Does every year have to be normal in our life and in our careers? And I would say the answer is no. And so I am excited about the next 21 days that we as a people can decide we're not going to be normal. If you look on the right-hand side of the order of service, I give some information about fasting. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the, 
the details about fasting, but as you read that, you need to, to understand that fasting is a biblical principle that a group, uh, that, that really in the Old Testament, it was a food fast. And so uh, the nation of Israel would set aside a time of eating, but they would set aside a time of food to seek the face of God. And so many times in our culture, we've never heard about it, we've never done it, we've never experienced, and that's sad because it's a very biblical thing that we set aside something that in and of itself is good. It could be food. Now, I want to encourage you to uh, don't enter into a 21-day of fast of not eating until the doctor has said that you can or you understand what that looks like. But would you be willing over the next 21 days to put something down in order to seek the face of the Lord. A couple of us were talking at the men's Bible study. We do a men's Bible study the first Saturday of every month, and they were saying that they found an app that you put on your smartphone that tells you how often you look at your smartphone. Could you imagine how a revival could break out if we stopped doing this and began to do that? A fast from technology and checking your Instagram and your Twitter and your Snapchat and your Facebook. A fast from not watching TV at night and it's okay if you don't watch the 14th episode of the 58th series of this on Netflix. And that we seek the face of the Lord. A fast from doing things that you normally do in and of itself but you're not doing that so that you can truly seek the face of God. I thought about my own life, and I wrote down three things that I want to strive to accomplish in the next few weeks in my life. I want to truly know him. I say a lot of things. If you, For those that come on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday nights, you know all the, the Pastor Beck-isms. You could probably write a book of things that Pastor Beck says that you just have to know Pastor Beck to get. And I'm not making fun of Sunday school because you know I'm a Sunday school guy. But that's something I always say. Some of us have a Sunday school understanding of who God is. He created the world. He did these big events historically in history. And we celebrate them. We know the the big picture of God. We know a, a big picture of who he is and what he has done. But do we truly know God? Charles Spurgeon knew God. When he stepped up in the pulpit, he knew God. I remember the first time I heard Henry Blackaby preach, and I remember saying, I want to know God like that man knows God. Everything that he said, it was that he was at the feet of the Lord. Setting aside something over the next 21 days that where we can individually say, God, I want to know you. Secondly, and this is just my own little world, Lord, I want to set aside something and I want to seek you so that I can be holy before you. Let me let you in on a little secret. We're all a mess. (laughs) I'm a redeemed mess, but I'm a mess. I mean, I don't want you to not have any faith and confidence in your pastor. I'm not as bad as some of y'all. But but we're all a mess. 
And so it's not like I get through college and I, I've got a theology degree at college and I've got a, a master's degree from a theological seminary and, and I've read all these books and I've been preaching for 20 plus years and so I'm just at a point that I've arrived and I have all this intellectual knowledge and everything about me is just perfect and everything. No, I'm still a mess. Because what I measure myself is the holiness and righteousness and perfection of a holy God. And every day I want my life to be less about me and more about him. What an awesome opportunity for the next 21 days to say, God, would you just clean me up? Lord, I want to know you in a way I've never known you before. And I want to be holy before you. I want to recognize you in a way I've never recognized you before. And then third that I can live faithful unto him, that I may know him, that I would be holy before him, and that I could live unto him. Because if you think about it, normal, I don't want to be normal. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference for him. I don't want to say that I know him and that I'm holy before him and I'm holy and I'm clean and I'm sanctified and then not do anything about it. I want to live for him. I want to know him and live in such a way that others are asking me, what's different about you than everybody else? And not that we could say it's about me, that we could say it's about him. I want to know him. I want to have a passion for him and a purpose for him. I want to, to love him in such a way that my own, all and total focus is about him and making a difference for him. And sharing the gospel and, and making disciples and encouraging the saints. That's a legacy. That's a difference. They'll probably never write a book about me. And that's all right. I'll probably never start a college or an orphanage like Spurgeon. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be normal. I just want to be different. So we fast so we can pray. And we pray so that we can seek after God. Let me say that again. We fast. We set apart. We're not just going to say, and, and, and I grew up in, in a, a, a different area. Well, I didn't grow up. Grew up in the South. I spent 10 years in the Midwest, and, and uh, it was an area that celebrated Lent. It was a very strong Catholic area. And so I enjoyed being John the Baptist. That fit. John the Baptist in a Catholic town. Amazing. The only one Southern Baptist church in the county. So I was John the Baptist. And so I, I had friends that I knew, and they said, well, it's Lent. Good Catholics, we're, we're, we're Lent. And so I remember a lady telling me this one, I think I'm going to give up cussing. <laughs> well, you, you probably don't need to cuss anyway. And this is a, a lady I knew well. well. What should I give up? How about Mountain Dew? Well, I mean, if you're drinking 18, you know, liters a day, you probably need to cut back anyway. And so... I was trying to encourage her without trying to be too judgmental. Fasting is not doing something you shouldn't be doing anyway. You'd be like me saying, I think I'm going to fast from butter pecan ice cream. Okay, that, that doesn't count. I shouldn't be eating as much anyway. I'm going to do without something that in and of itself is not harmful or bad. 
in order to seek the face of God and pray. The key to the 21 days is fasting. To me, it's praying. So turn, turn to Acts 4. This is a long introduction. I apologize. We are doing all of these. We're, we're fasting. I'm giving you information about fasting. We're talking about so that we can pray. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to look at my smartphone a a thousand times a day. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to watch this on TV as much as you. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to eat a meal. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to do these things so that I can pray. I don't want to be normal. I don't want our church to be normal. I don't want my family to be normal. I don't want our community to be normal. I want to be different. I want my life to be different. I want my family to be different. I want this church to be different. I want our community to be different. And the only way that's going to happen is when we pray. Too often we take for granted the power and the wonders of the Word of God. This week as I was praying... The Lord says, I've got a picture for you. I got a picture of a group of people that understand what the Christian life is all about. It's a church. It's a church in the book of Acts. And it's a great picture of how we individually and how we as corporately as believers should be living our life if we don't want to be normal. So turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading there. In verse 23, but then I'm going to go back and talk a little bit about the beginning of the chapter. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends. And they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, the friends, they lifted up their voices together in God and they, they said. It could almost be like us this morning that, that we lift up our voices that we sing and we, we pray. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers with gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. It's, they, they, they come together as a body and they lift up their concerns to the Lord and immediately they begin to just pray back and praise back to the Lord his word in Psalm 2. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant their threats upon your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That is not normal. That's not normal. We 
we don't have to be normal. What can we learn from them? Chapter 4, beginning in verse 1 and following, we need to understand this. We can do 121 days of whatever we want. And if it's just a program or checking the box, it's going to mean absolutely nothing. Program after program after program after program after program can come through churches and come through ministries and we check the box and we do it. And say, well, that, I remember that. Let's move on to something else. This is not a program. This is about us setting aside things in our lives so that we can seek the face of God and be like them. Notice this church. Notice the, the not-so-normal. First, they were already living a life of faithfulness. I think that's key. Now, I look at things differently. We all look at things differently. I guess we could say we all look at things differently. It's kind of like this. This is what the early church would never have done. Lord, use me. When you're ready to use me, just use me. I'm on the third pew, four feet to the right, middle section. I'm here. What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on a divine invitation to start serving the Lord? We ask God to do something, but we don't do anything. I could never work in a fitness center for, for obvious reasons. Well, it's the beginning of the year. I want to come in and lose some weight. I'm going to work out. I'm going to build my core up. If you're under the age of 50, you don't understand what that means. We can't tie our shoes because we don't have any stomach muscles anymore. <laughs> when are you going to start? Why don't you come in today? I'm a fitness instructor. You know, well, I'm kind of busy. I'm, I, I keep asking the Lord to make me feel better, but I, I'll get back with you. We sing at church, Lord, reign in me. What a great song. Isn't that awesome how God puts the songs and the preaching together? Lord, reign in me. Rule in my heart. Cause our faith and our eyes to see you. Renew our minds. Help us to grasp your heights. And we just sit. And we sing it again. The early church didn't know what necessarily they need to be doing. They just know they needed to be doing something. And they were just faithful. The normal people are just doing ministry the best they know can. If you think about just the, the, the end times doctrine, uh, here's, a, here's a great picture of the end times doctrine. I have no idea how it's going to work out. The, depending on where your, your timing of the rapture, or pre-trib, or post-trib, or mid-trib. Listen, the horn's going to toot, we're going to scoot, no matter what phase it's in. We worry about the dumbest things. Listen, I know when the Lord comes, I'm going to come. He ain't going to come until he's ready to come. And when he, I'm ready to go, I'm going to go. And it ain't going to be a big deal. I'm not going to look up and get it wrong. or get it right. Just horn's going to toot and I'm going to scoot. But I do know this. I am going to stand before the Lord King Jesus myself and have an opportunity in my little heart to just bow at his feet and adore him. 
but also give an answer to him. If I can't get excited about living for him down here, what in heaven's name am I going to do for all eternity? We're asking God to do something in our life, but we're not willing to do anything with our life. All the early church knew is they got filled with the Holy Spirit and they just started proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. They just started living out the gospel and sharing the gospel and communicating the gospel. They were faithfully serving the Lord. Notice what happens though. They were in the midst of ministry. They were seeking and doing and living. They were striving to be faithful and obedient. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to preach boldly the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 3, and they arrested them and they put them in custody. Could you imagine what would happen in a typical Baptist church in the deep south if some of us got arrested? Oh my goodness. We wouldn't know what to do. They didn't come in and locked them up for preaching. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what we would do. We'd shut down. We would. I don't know what we would do. I think in the early church, it was just normal. We won't share Christ with anybody today because we don't want to come across as a fanatic. It's not any of our business. You don't ever talk about politics and religion. We don't ever do any of these things. Now, I'm not saying being a cruel, mean-spirited fundamentalist. But our life ought to be pointing people to what we have in Jesus. Everything that comes out of our mouth ought to point people to what we have. With boldness they proclaimed. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, these are those that arrested him, rulers of the people and elders, if you are being examined today according to a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Look at verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Israel, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you. Before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which had become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. How about that for preaching? And he was preaching to those that had arrested him. When's the last time that you lovingly looked into the eyes of someone and said there's no other name by which man must be saved than the Lord Jesus Christ? They loved living and faithfully serving the Lord. So they're in the midst of doing ministry. Then there's a change of plans. We do great when there's no change of plans. Good illustration. There was a football game on last Monday night. It wasn't going well. Sharon was worried. I said, honey, don't fret. God is sovereign. And Kirby's going to make halftime adjustments. If 
What do you do when the, the, the plans change? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter into 21 days of fasting and prayer, and I'm, gonna, I'm excited about this, and it's, it's Monday, and I've started, and I'm going to seek the face of the Lord, and I'm going to read and pray, and I can't wait. And then we get to work, and we get persecuted, and we just throw it all away, and we've only done one day. Then we get guilt-ridden, and we can't do the rest of it because we blew it on day one of the 21-day fast. We need to learn to spiritually adjust on the fly. There's nothing wrong with having a plan. I am positive that, that John and the apostles didn't say, you know what, let's go to the temple and start preaching, and, and let's just preach and see what happens. They didn't plan on being arrested. They didn't plan to get drugged before the council. But when it happened, nothing changed. We're still living a faithful life to the Lord. We're still doing what we need to do. We need to adjust on the fly. We don't adjust on the fly very well. But most normal people don't. Most normal people just go with the flow instead of staying on course. But yet, they were optimistic and excited about their calling. Peter answers in verse 19, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than man, you judge. So, hey, I'm Peter's still optimistic. Hey, I'm still all right. I've adjusted on the fly. I'm doing the life of the Lord, love, uh, the, the, living the life of the Lord. Peter answered and said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, verse 19, you judge. For we cannot speak of what we have seen and we have heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what would happen. It doesn't matter what goes on around us, does it? We still have a mission. We still have a, a sovereign, loving Lord on the throne of glory that has sent his son to, to die for our sins. And we have still been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what goes on around us. He has not changed. We still are optimistic because he's one. I mean, I think some of us think the Christian life is like waiting on Monday night at 8 o'clock. Who's going to win? God's won. And as long as you're here, this is real simple eschatology, as long as you're here, you're supposed to be here. Normal people are not optimistic enough. I came across this in the military. Military has a great way of figuring out who needs to be promoted. Who can lead? You know when leaders come out? Put a crisis in the midst of people. Somebody can lead. And people always follow a leader. Normal people blend in. Put a crisis in normal people. Oh, they're looking for a leader. They're looking for, something, they're looking for somebody to tell them what's next. A Christian should not be that type of normal. We know what's next. When I make a hospital visit, I don't walk in, the, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen. No, I'm, I can grieve, I can cry, I can mourn, I can walk down those hallways, and I can walk in that hospital room and say, listen, there's no, and it's kind of funny because one of my little pastoral things is, the dumbest thing we always say in the hospital is, how's you feeling? I'm still waiting on somebody to say, well, how do you think I'm feeling? How you feeling? You doing Okay. Now, jokingly, I always say something like this. How's the food? Getting much sleep? 
how we walk in there with a heavy heart and a saddened spirit. And we say, listen, I don't know. I can't control it. And if I could, I would. But I know the one that can. And we're going to be all right. I walked in a, a, a really tough situation with a, a kind of a friend of a friend of a friend that's mother was passing. I'll never forget this. And the information was wrong. The information was they're believers. And I walked in there, and the only one that was a believer was the woman that was passing that was unconscious near death. And I said something along the lines of, God is good, it's going to be all right. And I thought the family was going to throw me out of the room. Where's the right in this? Well, the right in anything is the goodness of God, even in the face of death. And without that world biblical view, we never can grasp where can we be optimistic in the face of persecution. And the answer is because we are his. So they were a people that were already living a life of serving. But here's the best part. They were a people that were seeking and praising God. This is where prayer comes in. You want to see it? Here's a great little second part. Here's prayer. Things weren't going as well. It started out well. People are getting saved. They're preaching. They get arrested. It's still going well. They're still optimistic. So the next thing they know to do, what do you do when times get tough? You go to prayer meeting. What do you do when times get tough? You find believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you do when things aren't the way you want them to be? You pray. Look at the prayer of these not normal people. Notice what happened there. And when they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the priest said. And they heard it. They lifted up their voices. They prayed together to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord. Let me tell you what prayer is. Let me tell you how to pray for the next 21 days. Number one, acknowledge him for who he is. God. You're a sovereign Lord. This is what they were saying. God, we were arrested. You allowed it. God, we were arrested. We needed it. God, we were arrested so that the gospel could move forward. Think about your prayer life for a minute. The first few words, dear Lord, dear God acknowledging that he is God. Our Father, which art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. Acknowledge God. You want to get right and real with the Lord? You don't want to be that normal person? When you pray, you acknowledge God for who he is. He is all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful. He is loving and merciful and just. And he, he loved us so much, he sent his son. He is righteous and Holy knows everything. Sovereign Lord. Master. King. Righteous judge. Secondly, look at this prayer. They trusted him. Notice the, the, the terminology of 25, 26, 27 of that. 
against your, for truly in this city they will gather together against your holy servant, Jesus Christ, your city to do whatever, your hand, your plan that you had predestined to take place. That word predestined and, and foreknowledge, that just drive, people just get all silly and sideways over those words. Listen, those are two words that we need to embrace. Why? God's in charge and not us. He's in control of history from beginning to end. How can we pray to a God that's not? We can trust God because he's God. You know, when I pray for your, your, when I pray for healing, do you think, I really believe that God heals. I believe that God saves. I believe that God guides. I believe God directs. Anything I ask of God, I believe he can do. Then we can trust him. How can they be this? How, how can they live this life that's not so normal? Because they trusted in who God was. They weren't looking at life through the lens of their life. They were looking at life through the lens of God's life, through the lens of Scripture. Yes, Jesus Christ came. Yes, they crucified him. But yes, that was God's plan. And if Jesus Christ did not cru be crucified, our sins would not be forgiven. We have to be persecuted because that is the way the gospel is proclaimed. We have to be scattered and persecuted so that missionaries journeys could come forth from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. They trusted in God because they knew God had a plan. We can pray for 21 days and acknowledge that God is God, but if we don't trust in what God says that he is or what to do for us, we'll accomplish nothing and we're going to be right back to normal three weeks later. Have you ever been serious about praying about things of the Lord and the Lord lays something on your heart and then the Lord lays something on your heart and the minute he lays it on your heart, you start doubting? If the Lord's laying something on your heart, then trust him. He's in control of all of history. He knows me. He called me. He saved me. He, uh, he says it. The Bible says that he knows us. He was formed in the mother's womb. He knows us. We are his. We can trust him. One of my little pastoral sayings is, and I probably said this in your midst, and you, I'll say it and you go, yeah, you did say that in front of me. In the midst of hurting and, and despair, I always like to remind myself, I love my wife, and I love my children, I love my parents, I love my grand. They're flesh and blood that I love so much, and I, I, I long for them to be this, and I long for them to be that. And when something happens to them, I, I hurt for them, and I long for them, and I may be sad for them. But think about this, God, if they are the Lord's, God loves them even more than I could ever love them. And as much as I, I hurt and I pain and I love someone, God loves them even more. We can trust a God that loves us that much. He hates sin and he judges sin and he disciplines us, but he loves those that are his and we can trust him because he's God. They petition him. They acknowledge him. They trust him. They petition him. Notice verse 29. And now, Lord. One of the things in marriage that I'm still working on, and this is an ongoing sanctified struggle, communication. 
Men look at communication one way. Women look at communication another way. We pretty much know what a man, man is thinking and figured out. Women, we have no clue. I, I still say if, if, if because they ate the fruit first. They're just a mess. Just this week, with two of my most lovable women in my life under my same roof, I say something like this. I still cannot read minds. Coded messages of where I want to eat for supper is never going to work. I will always say a bag of Doritos and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's never changed. If you do not want to eat that, then don't ask me where I want to go. Tell me where to take you. Because I don't care. Could you imagine if God was that, if we did prayer that way? Lord, and now, Lord, look upon your threats. Lord, are you really listening? Lord, are you there? It could be the other way around. Honey, are you listening? Honey, are you listening? Honey, are you listening? Monday night, I kept saying, honey, it's just a ball game. I'm trying to talk with you. Could, could you cut the TV off? We can do Bible time. It doesn't matter, okay? If we lose, we can just be like everybody else in the congregation and be a Florida FSU fan. It doesn't matter. For those seeking marriage, women love our undivided attention. No radio, back in the day, no newspaper, no TV. They want your attention. You need to look at them, you need to talk to them, and listen to them. That's not bad for the Lord, too. Seeking Him with our full attention in an open heart. In my little world, there are times, the first, the first several minutes of my prayers is kind of my pastor stuff. Dear Lord Jesus, we come with five, beseech thee, and Lord, all these glories, and all this, and the Lord says, okay, when you get rid of all that, let's talk, and let's worship, and let me hear your heart. But a lot of times, we don't get to that point we're so busy and so caught up here's a test I'm going to let you in my world a little bit sit down in your chair this may be you sit down in your little spot in the morning and put your smartphone where you can see it how many times do you look at that phone and want to check it before you're having your quiet time we're more concerned of how many likes we got on Facebook and Twitter than we are communicating with the sovereign God of the universe how many reactions that we have on Instagram and how many logins do we have this? Try that. Maybe you're more spiritual than I am. We're more concerned of what we're doing on social media and on the internet and things that are going on than we are of just saying, Lord, here I am. 
first thing they said was, Lord, here we are. Lord, look upon your, their threats and grant to your servants. So they acknowledged him, they trust him, they petitioned him, they served him. Notice that it, here's, here's a great, this is good. Here would be us, not us, First Baptist us, but us. I can see us now in prayer meeting. Preacher, we need to pray. Oh my goodness, they're locking folks up. Lord, we need to have prayer meeting. Did you hear? Put it on, did it, got it on the prayer list? Lord, we beseech thee. Don't let us get locked up again. Lord, make the pain go away. Make everything work out the way I wanted it to work out. Now, don't we do that? Oh, goodness, yes, we do that. Don't act like you don't. What did they pray? Lord, we ask of you and your servants to give us boldness to preach it again. They didn't pray that they would not go to jail again. They would not be in trouble again. They would not be in a tough situation again. They didn't pray that way. They said, Lord, we petition you because we serve you. Give us boldness. Notice what it says. Look upon your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Lord, instead of praying that it goes away, we pray that we're so convicted that we're living right that it never goes away, that we preach your word with boldness. Do you know that the Apostle John was the only one that lived a long time? And I always jokingly said because somebody needed to write Revelation. They all died a martyr death proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not normal people. And I don't want to be normal. Could you imagine 21 days of saying, Lord... Here's some things in my life that are hindering me in my walk with you. I was sitting there in a meeting and one of the pastors said, well, I, I physically cannot go without eating. I cannot. He was an older gentleman. I cannot go without eating. I understand that now. When I hit the 50s, a lot of things became clear to me. But he said, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a too busy of a man. And in my busyness doing stuff, I want to be busy in seeking the face of God. What is it in our life that for 21 days we'd be willing to say, I'm not going to do this, but I am going to seek the face of the Lord. I'm going to acknowledge Him. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to petition Him because I serve Him. Now that's prayer meeting going on. Look what God did. Real quick, two things God did. God said, I'm going to shake that place and I'm going to affirm that I'm God. God affirmed who he was. Now, I'm not saying that when we have our morning devotional time, the house should shake. But I think when we come into the face of a holy, righteous God and we understand who he is, something needs to happen. If God is the sovereign God of the entire universe and he created everything you see, why is it that our lives are so normal and we don't see God doing anything in our life that only he can get the credit for? And I would say that we're not seeking it, we're not following after it, we're not pursuing it. 
God is a jealous God. He is a jealous God for his glory. When's the last time that you saw God do something in your midst that he affirmed, I am God? It says the place was shaken. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. So God affirmed. Secondly, God empowered. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not the receiving of the Holy Spirit the moment that we are saved. This is the, the yielding of the Spirit, the, the understanding. Here's what I, the best way I've ever explained uh, in my life that I understand the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there the moment that we are saved. I don't have time to walk through that. That would be some weird stuff going on spiritually if that was not the case. If the Spirit came and went, we're in trouble. But when we're living a faithful Christian life and we're seeking the face of God, we know the Spirit's there. And we can live for Him and we can trust Him and we can do things that normal people don't do because we know we're following the leading of our Heavenly Father and we're yielding to the Spirit and we're obeying the Spirit and we're allowing the Spirit to control our life. That's why we live in a day and age that a lot of times we don't know who's saved and who's not saved because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us with His presence. The, the filling of the Holy Spirit is just recognizing, hey, I've got God living within me. they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they made a difference the church of Acts was different I'll conclude with this the church of Acts was different but why they had the same Lord same gospel same spirit same band-aid same mission they had everything we have everything and it's so sad that we'll go, well, it's just so hard to be a Christian today. Really? Can you imagine being a Christian in Acts chapter 4? They didn't even have Republicans and Democrats back then. They didn't have Bible studies and prayer meetings at the Rose Garden on National Day of Prayer in Rome. But yet, guess what happened to the early church? They have everything that we have. What made them differently was their life. They lived differently. They prayed differently. Their life was different. Ours can be as well. Let's stand as we pray. Well, God, as we come to a point in our service today that we acknowledge that you are God by the way we respond. I pray today that we understand that what separated the church of Acts to so many of us today is their life. They were a holy people that lived a holy life and communed with the holy God. They acknowledged your sovereign lordship. They acknowledged the power of the gospel. They trusted in the sovereign work in their life. They lifted up their petitions to you, and they served you, and they sought to follow after you. Lord, as we sing this morning about holiness, let us be that person. Let us today, as we begin to prepare and to think about these 21 days, that we realize it can just be another 
three weeks of another thing we did as the church or it can be a time in our life that we truly seek your face. Allow that to happen in our midst. In Jesus' name.